I, uh, just, I just asked Donna and Henry if I could pray about their missing grandson. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for this before we start into the message, if that's all right. So um, if you'd all bow your heads, let's pray for Andrew Earnhardt that he be found safe. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can come to you just like our song saying that we need you, Lord. You're the healer, Lord. And Father, you're also the one who can protect, you can preserve. Father, you are the one who can find. And Father, I pray right now uh, that you would help um, Andrew to be found safely, Lord. Father, that you'd be with his family and that you would strengthen them and that he would be returned, Lord. And Father, that... um, Everything would turn out well, Lord. I pray that you be with Donna and Hendry in particular, Lord. Help them through this time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think it's quite a thing. I was sitting, because I, I, I saw this on Facebook, and it was quite a thing to watch um, our worship this morning because um, a lot of times when something difficult is happening in our lives, uh, the first thing that we do is we forget to turn to the Lord, and I appreciate Donna and Hendry's commitment to worship the Lord during this time, and I think it was a great example to all of us. And the reason I bring it up is because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world this morning, and um, there's a lot of uneasiness in the world, and I, I'm not so sure, but Roy, did you see my sermon before you sang that last song? I just I was really trying to figure it out, but... Um, that's what we need is we need the healer and we need Jesus in this world and nothing's going to fix this world. I know it seems old. In fact, it just seems like um, old news almost, kind of like what that song just said in one of the verses that it's just kind of like the old way. And I know we like new things in this world, but there isn't anything other than Jesus Christ that can fix our world this morning. And so I've been watching all of the events unfold, and I'm just going to let you know I'm going to preach a little different than I normally do because I just think that we have to be aware. In fact, I, uh, when I first got called into ministry, I would know how scared I was that the Lord was going to ask me to pastor a church. <laughs> I used to be afraid to go to the mailbox because I had no understanding. I thought maybe somebody was going to send me a letter in the mail, and I'd have to go wherever it was. I'd have to go and be the pastor there, and I'd just be afraid to open the mailbox in the morning. This is just so silly when I think about it. But I remember telling my old pastor, I said, you know, I just want to be the guy that preaches revivals because what those guys get to do is they get to come in, just stomp somebody's toes and walk off into the sunset, right? And um, that's really what it is. But I think that ultimately, when we talk about things that are like current events, like what we're talking about a little bit this morning, it becomes one of those things that people may just immediately turn off what I say or what they hear. They may immediately reject things, and, and that is normal. And it's very possible, as I've said, when we go through the Gospels, we always find these crowds around Jesus. And I always remind you that what was going on within those crowds, you had people who were just simply observing Or you had people who were trying to only figure out a way to refute what Jesus had to say. Or you had people who were just using Jesus for what they could get from him. But then you had the smaller groups who were the people who were participating with Jesus Christ 
in bringing God's kingdom into this world. Those who were believers, those who were disciples. And so you're always going to have that. And so what I'm saying this morning is going to seem possibly a bit easy or abrasive. I don't know what people may think, but I will say this, that it's time for people to begin to think about how important it is to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's always that time. I'm not anything. All I can do is take what I see in Scripture and what I see in the world and just simply do my best to relate it. So the title of my message this morning is, Only God Has the Remedy. (laughs) If I would remember that song, I might have said, Only God is the Healer, right? So, But only God has the remedy. And actually, I'm going to have three different places in Scripture that I'm going to reference this morning. I'm going to actually speak out of chapter 3 of Isaiah, but Isaiah chapter 1, verses 12 through 15 I'm wanting to set the table, if you will. And so what I've noticed during this time of what's going on in the Ukraine is that there's a lot of people who are feeling uneasy in this world, and that's normal. That is something that we should feel. We should feel concern. In fact, I I would remind you that more than just simply feeling concerned about what's going on with the people there and what's going to happen with us, One of the things we can do as Christians is remember that there are Christians in the Ukraine and there are Christians who are suffering in the Ukraine. And so here we are just before Ash Wednesday. And if you remember what we're talking about for a couple weeks in the announcements is that I've been reminding you, well, actually Kelsey and Timothy have been reminding you that we're going to fast. And so... Now, if you have a health condition, obviously don't do anything your doctor says don't do. But if you are able to abstain from something, starting Wednesday for Ash Wednesday, what we will be doing, there's like three different things that we will be doing and accomplishing if we fast and abstain from things. First of all, what we'll do is we're going to relate with people who are suffering, our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, and this morning it We could easily relate it to the people in the Ukraine. I've been thinking about what it's going to be like if they don't have enough food to eat. You and I can limit the consumption of our food and put ourselves in solidarity with our Christian brothers and sisters because we are going to suffer with them, if you will. This is very biblical. Sometimes we forget about this. Another thing that we're going to accomplish is we're going to accomplish being able to demonstrate to ourselves that we do not have to respond to our fleshly, our humanly impulses that we have in our bodies, right? When I feel hungry, I'm going to subdue that, hopefully. I don't know that I always get it subdued the way I want to, but I will subdue that feeling of when I'm hungry, and I'm going to think of something else, and I will think of Jesus Christ. That will be my goal. That That impulse, even though I might feel hungry, I might remind myself, even though I'm being hungry in this moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my attention upon Jesus Christ. So it teaches us self-control, right? It teaches us the ability to say no to what we feel like. And boy, what that would do for the world right now if people would stop responding to their 
physical impulses, right? The world would actually become a better place if people would stop being driven by what they feel. The other thing is, we're doing some self-introspection. We're looking into ourselves and we're putting ourselves in a place where we're disciplining ourselves. It's not making us holy, but what it's doing is it's going to give Jesus Christ the ability to work on us from the inside out. Because what we can't do, he can do, right? So this is a big deal. And what we are trying to remind ourselves is that Jesus is the only remedy that there is. And what I've seen is a lot of Christians, or I will say people who believe in Jesus, that he is a real God. I don't know if that he is the God that they buy into, but they say that he is a God that's worth praying to. And what I love every time something happens is that we put on Facebook just so, you know, it's just almost so pure. We're trying to be so pure. Pray for the Ukraine. Have you ever thought about this? I, you know, and I'm thinking, so if we pray for the Ukraine, I get that, right? I get that. I'm certainly not saying we don't pray for the Ukraine. But what I'm wondering is why is it now that we are going to pray? What is it that we actually want to have accomplished by God? Is it that we want him to snap his fingers and make all this go away? Because if that's what it is, I'm going to go ahead and let you down carefully this morning, hopefully. He's not going to do that. So if what we're seeing is the idea that something is being done that is very wrong, we're going to have to ask ourselves, is it possible that something that is happening is happening because we haven't been right for a very long time? And what I'm saying to you this morning is, are we talking about we're praying for something that is uncomfortable, that we cannot control, when in fact we should have been praying for the fact that we, were, we should be more uncomfortable about the sin that we commit, that we can control. It's quite a thing because here we are, right? We are actually feeling an uneasiness in this world today that we weren't feeling a week ago, and we've just gone through a pandemic, and might I go ahead and just say to you all, that pandemic that we went through, coupled with supply chain shortages, do you not find it amazing people didn't come to church and turn to Jesus Christ? Because I lived through 9-11, I'm old enough to remember that, right? Soon as those towers came down, all I had to do was walk out of the church and it seemed like I could just go, sinners, come here and be saved. And they'd come and be saved. But not this time. But not this time. We have people in our churches now who 
downplay sin. And you know what I know about church, right? We are the only people in this world who are literally a theocracy, which means our leader is Jesus Christ because he is our king. This goes beyond political ramifications. We are the people who exist and say, we follow Jesus. In fact, Paul says it. He says, look, if you are part of the local body of Jesus Christ, that means Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the one we follow. In fact, we've been talking about membership class. The word of God is the final authority in all matters. Nothing trumps the word of God. But these days, we start to see Christians bend that rule a little bit, don't we? I've been telling for some time, we went through the book of Revelation, and I've been telling for some time that these sins that we commit, we might, if we believe in Jesus Christ and we receive forgiveness, we will go to heaven, right? But the sins that we commit, they're being bottled up, if you will, in a bowl. These bowl judgments. And when the bowl gets full, what's going to happen is the Lord's going to dump it right out. You know, I work in school, right? And what we do is when a, when a student gets in trouble, our goal is to diminish the punishment instead of diminishing the behavior, right? This is what our goal is. We try to make them feel okay about doing wrong. Does this, does this not sound familiar to you? <laughs> this is literally what happens. And the problem is, when we do that, they continue to do wrong. We do this, I'm going to say, that we do this a lot maybe in Christianity, especially in America. We're pastors because we don't want to lose people. If they do wrong, we try to diminish the punishment instead of telling them the problem is within your heart and it needs to be corrected, but it's only you can do that with Jesus Christ. But the punishment, I have no authority over any punishment or consequences you may face when you make decisions that are not, they're not right. This is what we do. This is what leaders tend to do. So we are under, and if you want to look at it from a political perspective, we are in a nation now where most of those who are in leadership from the local level to the national level who are anti-Christ. And what I'm saying when I say that, it's not the anti-Christ, but what I'm saying is if somebody's anti-Christ, it just simply means they reject Jesus Christ. They don't want what he says. In other words, if Jesus says go, I'm going to stop. If he says stop, I'm going to go. That's being anti-Christ. Is everybody with me? So I'm going to look at some passages this morning, and I'm going to tell you before I get going, 
Because I get real concerned because I know when I would listen to a preacher talk like this, I would tune out and I might miss something that would bring me some type of peace and, and, and then I would get the wrong impression of who God is. I want you to know that anything that I say today, God's grace can turn it all around for you and I. God's grace can turn it around not just for you and I, but God's grace can turn everything around. He's the healer. He's the one who has the remedy for what ails the world. Jesus Christ is it. This is where you find healing. This is where we find the remedy for all of our problems. It's in Jesus Christ. So I want to make sure you keep that right here very close to you this morning. I'm going to look at Isaiah chapter 1 first. And I'm just going to read some scripture to set the tone because Isaiah is a book that was written to um, the Israelites, the Jews in particular. And what's happened to them is there dur- this is during the time of the Assyrians who were so prominent. But what Isaiah knows is he's, he's able to talk to the leaders, right? He's able to talk to the kings. It's hard to believe. He's got access to them. And he knows that there is a time coming that the Babylonians are going to come and carry them off. In other words, he knows that in Deuteronomy, the promise that God gave to the Israelites was simply this, if you don't obey me, you will no longer have safety. But if you obey me, I'll take care of all of your needs. And so I'm setting the table, I guess, with chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. And this is what he says, because understand the situation that's going on. They're coming together and they're bringing sacrifices. They're worshiping Yahweh. But look what he says. This under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, Isaiah writes, when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Because we Christians, we've gotten to this mindset, right? That all that God really wants from us is a good worship experience and to bring some money in to put into the offering plates and we'll pray especially for people like in the Ukraine. But if there's a problem with his people, I'm hearing right now that maybe somebody's prayers, it's possible that they are hindered. Let's look at Psalm 50. This has been on my heart since December. And I want to read verse 21, I believe. And this is all it says, and I don't have time to go into this. It should be a whole sermon to itself. But it says this, talking about the sin that Israel did, breaking all the Ten Commandments on a regular basis. Remember, they're a theocracy. It says, 
When you did these things, I kept silent. You thought I was exactly like you. But I now arraign you and set my accusations before you. So what I, what's happening with Asaph here is now he's getting into this situation of recognizing that Israel, even though they're putting themselves out there for Yahweh, right? They're, they're worshiping him. They are living as they see fit instead of how he sees fit. In fact, you have leadership behind this. And so what he says is, because I haven't done anything or I've kept silent about it. In other words, if you, you know, those of us, I mean, if you ever say the wrong thing in a, in a marriage, right? Not, you know, if somebody doesn't say something back, that doesn't mean everything's okay, does it? If you do something wrong, if somebody is just being silent, it doesn't mean, oh, well, they're okay with this. This is what God's literally saying to them. He said, you thought that I was actually like you. Now, what he's saying when we get into that mindset is what is the real problem, and we're going to see in chapter 3 of Isaiah. The real problem is, is that we human beings have this idea that we are equal with God. In fact, we start to create God in our own image. <laughs> Y'all following me? When, in, when the reality is, in the creation story, we were created in the image of God. And it was good. But then we fell in the garden because we wanted to do, our, our, our ancestors wanted to do what we wanted to do and not what God tells us to do. And so that just continues to multiply over the years and then before too long, we think that God thinks just like we do. And he does not. You better believe this is happening in the church. I graduated with people from Bible school who think this way. They're out in the open with it. And remember what I say. The Bible is the final word. It is the final word. Let me get to, I'm going to read one more scripture with you, chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, and then we're going to get to the heart of it. Verse 1, see now the Lord, the Lord Almighty is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, all supplies of food and all supplies of water, the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counselor, skilled craftsman, clever enchanter. I will make mere youths their officials. Children, children will rule over them. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will rise up against the old, the nobody against the honored. A man will seize one of his brothers in his father's house and say, you have a cloak, you be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins, but in that day he will cry out, I have no remedy. I have no food or clothing in my house. Do not make me the leader of the people. Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling. 
Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. Tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked. Disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. Youth suppress my people. Women rule over them. My people, your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. The Lord takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people. It is you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Wow, quite a statement. Let's look at the first thing I want you to see. Only God has the remedy for humanity because only he supplies our needs. Isn't it funny what we're seeing right now? We're trying to figure out where energy, food, supply chain, supply chain, all this stuff, we talk about it on a regular basis. We talk about it all the time. And we're very concerned, and I suspect that some of the uneasiness that we, f- we feel in this moment is tied to that very thing because we know that it's very conceivable that we could end up suffering. And the problem is, is if you look at verse 22 in the previous chapter, it says, stop trusting in mere humans who have, put, who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? That's the problem. We have trusted in leaders, whether it's Republican or Democrat, right? We are all in trouble for this, it seems like, because I've seen churches divided over this very issue. If you're not a Democrat, the Republicans might leave. The Republicans might leave if you're not a, a Republican. All that you, you understand what I'm saying. Division occurs, and what happens is most of our leaders are always going to appeal to our sinful ways so that they can get elected. This is what's happening in Israel. I mean, this is literally Israel, the theocracy, the ones who were told, look, I'll be your God, you be my people but I'm going to take care of you only if you obey my commands. If you do justice to each other, then I will take care of you. But the leaders come along, and they're like, look, let me be your leader, you listen to me. Y'all listen to me when I say this. God supplies all of your needs. There's nobody who's a mere human being going to be able to save us. They have no remedy for us. And what's worse, God is going to deal with these leaders because what God is doing is he's taking those leaders, at least in the history of Israel, he's taking those leaders and he's going to take them away from the Israelites and they're just going to have kids leading them. Now you understand 
that most of the time in Scripture, all wisdom comes from the people who have been around for a while, who understand how life works. They have seen how life actually goes about and what happens, right? They understand, they couple it with God's Word, and they understand that the fear of the Lord is supposed to be very real, so therefore, this gives them the wisdom. Most of the time, the young pretty people that we like to put in charge of us, they haven't lived long enough. And God's going to say, let them be in charge of you. And what we're going to find is that they don't have the remedy that we need. No one can fix our problems other than God himself. Whatever you have need of, your God is going to take care of you. Because when he says, I'm about to turn off the supply that you need, it's because he's the one that has the ability to do that. Nobody else does. They may think they do, but only God has that ability. And if it gets turned off, there's because it's a problem. There's a problem, and he's trying to get people's attention. Because it's the only thing we'll respond to, is a hungry stomach. <laughs> I mean, Scripture's full of it. When you were hungry, I fed you. When I fed you, you were satisfied. When you were satisfied, you forgot me. That's what the Bible says. When we live in satisfaction, we listen to everybody but God. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Only God has the remedy for humanity because only he establishes the rules of life. You know what's amazing, the time that you and I are living in? And, it, and it, I think it's happened in the last 10 years. It's really amped up. And if you're a young person this morning, it's hard for you to fathom it. But it didn't used to always be this way. I'm old enough now. I feel like I'm talking like my grandmother at this point. But I'm old enough to know things were different than they are right now. And they were certainly better. And the reason things were better was because God was feared the right way and people were making sure that we didn't want to do anything to offend God. And in fact, I've told people several times, and this week in particular, America has only worked to have freedom when we were free to love our neighbors the right way from the position of a right fear in God. This is what made freedom work, right? I mean, think about it. Love, love is what makes freedom work. Love for God, love for your neighbors. This, it's not because our founding fathers were just geniuses. It's because if we treat other people the way God says to treat them, things go well for a people. We get this from history and Deuteronomy. But what he says, Isaiah just simply told us, is, and it's right here in verse th chapter 3, and it says, look at, I mean, look at verse 8 and 9. This is what it says. Jerusalem staggers. This is present tense. Are you all with me? It's present tense. He's writing this 
in present tense, he's telling the people who are in charge, it's present tense, he says, Judah is falling, their words and deeds are against the Lord. In fact, they're defying his glorious presence. In other words, God is with the people, but they are turning their face, it's not God turning his face from them, they're turning their face from God because they don't like his rules. And then he goes on, he says, the look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom and they do not hide it. You understand that there is no, there's no other way that I can possibly think of for us as a people to commit sin to offend the Lord anymore. Have you, have you ever thought about this? There's literally nothing more that I can think of to offend God with because we've done it all and, and when we thought we did it all to offend God, what we've done is we invented new ways to do it, things that we'd never even thought of before to offend God. And in fact, it's on, if I was to watch television, I, I try to avoid this stuff. I turned off, our, it was hard to do. I turned off our direct TV. And now I've, I still have YouTube TV, but I turned off direct TV, which carries all of my football games. I mean, now before I say that, look, I mean, I don't, I, I'm still getting to watch football. I'm not up here sacrificing and like you think I am. Okay, I don't want you to misunderstand. But a lot of the reason why I turned off DirecTV was because of the sinful lifestyle that is being thrown into my face as if it's a normal thing. It is not. And those who are in leadership have to be careful because they're causing people to get off of the right path. Did you hear Isaiah again? This sinfulness is not going to be let go. Especially when God's glorious presence is in all the earth. For us to turn our face to him, it's unbelievable to me. I can't help but tell you the truth this morning. This is why I told you, that I said, this is going to sound very different than what I normally say. It is time for us to get past trying to help people psychologically in the church and start helping them spiritually. We've got to start telling the truth. And what you see in God's theocracy of the church is, we see people today redefining sin to accommodate this pathway that we've gotten off of and onto, we're trying to accommodate this new pathway and we're trying to invent a new morality. This is why people parade it so much. Listen to me when I say this. God establishes the rules of life. What he says is right is what is right. Now we can debate that all day long but in the end, the only thing that's going to matter is what he says is right. And when we stand before him, he's going to say, I don't care what you thought was right. You knew what I said was right, and you rejected it. 
it's quite a thing to think about. The fact that we would even try to reestablish the rules of life demonstrates that we are trying to take God's place. And I've said this many times. I'm for sharing everything because God's kingdom is. But when we try to do something, say like socialistically, that's God's kingdom without the king, right? The whole point of what we try to scheme against is we're trying to do away with the king. It's not going to go. Y'all feel like you just slid into 1950, don't you? Well, that preacher, what's wrong with him today? I think I'm telling you the truth. Look at the last thing I want you to see. Only God has the remedy for humanity because only he holds accountable. The person who holds accountable obviously has the remedy because he's saying, I've got the answer. The problem is, with these leaders in Israel's history here that Isaiah was talking about, they were intentionally misleading people. In fact, it's what was worse than them actually trying to redefine morality. If that wasn't enough, you know what they were doing? They were taking from the poor. And there was no justice being had in Israel. And so what they did, they were filling their houses up with money and and gold, whatever it may be, stuff that should have been given to those who are in need. Because this is what matters. So, you know, I'm thinking about the prayer, you know, let's pray for the Ukraine, right? Well, if we're doing things our way, and we're not sharing from God's perspective because our King Jesus says we share, if we're only sharing from a political perspective or if we're not sharing or if we're reinventing new morality codes, the Lord is not going to answer our prayer. My goodness, when's the church going to return to the holiness of who God is? He's the one that holds us accountable. And did you pick up on it? He said, you know what he said? Even though these leaders think they were in charge, right? It doesn't matter because he said, you know what he said? He said, listen, those who do righteousness, they will reap the reward of their deeds, right? But those who do evil, those who are sinning and turning their face from the Lord, they're going to get theirs. And you know, let me tell you something. I want to clear this up because When I was a kid, I used to think of this God who was like, ha ha, you're going to get what you're going to get. I don't want you to misunderstand this. So I was listening to John Oswald talk about this. And when you see that word woe in the Hebrew, there's nothing in the English language that adds up to what that Hebrew word says. And so the closest thing we have in the Hebrew language or in the English language to this Hebrew word is the word alas. In other words, we don't talk like that anymore, so we don't even know what that is. But in other words, what that means is, I'm so sad at what I'm seeing because I know what awaits people. This isn't a ha-ha moment. 
There may be some people out there preaching maybe this morning who might sound like ha-ha, but I can tell you that my heart breaks because I know what I know from Scripture. I know what I see. I know what may be coming. And if there is suffering to be had, what I know is that it's misunderstood in, among the American people because even in the American church, we don't, suffering to us is a foreign concept. We really don't even understand it. But it's a gift from God. And God usually gives that gift to his people to turn them around. Only God's going to hold us accountable. And what you do or don't do matters. It does. You might be someone thinking this morning, I don't agree with that preacher. I don't think that's right. I think he's just preaching social commentary. I think that he has this wrong. And who does he think he is? I'm, I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware that I ran that risk this morning but I'm taking it because what I know is that what God can do is through the Holy Spirit, he can tell you what truth is. If I'm telling you something that's untrue, he's going to let you put that aside. Did you know that? Because your brain is a gift from God and so is the Spirit of God. It's a gift to you. He's your gift and you have the ability to read it for yourself. So I'm telling you this morning, if you think there's another remedy out there, you are fooling yourself. There's only one remedy. His name is Jesus Christ. This is the name that's going to save the world. Those who want to be saved. If you're someone who's looking, thinking maybe you've got a nice stockpile of something, always cracks me up if, with these people getting these 50-year meal plans or something to take down into some shelter I don't know what's going on, but let me tell you something. And everything you have is vulnerable to what God can do. He's the one that supplies all of your needs. And I'm going to tell you, if you and I should start to suffer this morning or within the weeks to come, let me tell you something. Your faith has to be turned to Jesus Christ. If you're someone this morning that thinks that... Um, I'm being old school, or you're thinking, I may not know what I'm talking about. When I start talking about changing the rules of life, I think we all know what I'm referencing. And you may think that there are PhDs out there who have figured this out, and for 2,000 years the church has got it wrong. Let me tell you something, you're being deceived. God sets the rules of the game. You and I don't. It's, it, it's just the truth. I don't care what the president or prime minister or a governor or anybody else says. The rules of life are set by God himself. There is no other. And if you want to have life everlasting, you have one of two things that you can do. You can turn and embrace what God says to be true, or you can reject him and have your way and just wait till the later day when you get dealt with. I know that sounds harsh. It sounds harsh. But the point that I'm making is that God loves you enough to let you have your way. If you're someone this morning that thinks that we're not going to be held accountable, there are actually 
preachers that thinks that everybody's going to be saved. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you something this morning. Everyone will be held accountable for what we did or did not do. What you believe about Jesus Christ better be lived out through your life. There's no leader going to save us. Only Jesus can. He's the remedy. If I was in the Ukraine this morning, you know what I would be doing? I would probably be defending my country, but I would also be talking about what I'm saying right now, except for those guys over there and those women, this is reality to them this morning. This isn't something that they have to stretch to understand. They see it. It's time you and I see it. My question this morning would be, what would the church look like in America if we started talking like this a little bit more? What if we stopped making people feel good about their sin and started helping them to feel uncomfortable about sin? What would that change and how would the world benefit from that? I got to think that the world would turn around. The church in America needs to pray for repentance. Not for somebody to magically be saved. Because anytime something bad happens, repentance is going to be the way out. Now, bad things happen to good people, but understand, things that are outside our control, that's God's business. But things that are within our control, you and I are being tested. What would it look like if everybody put on their Facebook, pray for repentance? I can tell you right now, people call them out and say they're stupid, wouldn't they? Well, let me be stupid for Jesus Christ. Because when this life is over, I won't be found in him. Isn't that right, brother? So right now, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to say this to you this morning. I don't know where you are at, you are at spiritually, but I'll tell you this. If anything I've said has landed on your heart this morning and there's something that you need to take care of with Jesus Christ this morning, this is the morning that you can do that. Because this is the morning that you can turn your life around. If you need to repent, there's no shame in this. I have to repent. There's no shame in repenting. In fact, we call that being wise. If you need to repent, then come to the altar and repent. God will meet you right there. But don't be the one that turns away from his glorious presence. I'll wait a moment. All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you now, Lord. We have heard your word. 
There is no other but you, Lord. Now, Father, I pray if there's anybody within the sound of my voice this morning that has struggled with anything that I've said, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to them, that you would reveal truth to them, Lord. Lord, we want to be a people who understand the times that we live in and understand the importance of grabbing hold of you with all of our might because, Lord, you have a hold of us with all yours. Help us to serve you, Lord, and to be a people who are pure, that we may be found without spot or wrinkle on that day that you return. Now I pray, Father, you keep us safe and go with us. Lord, help us to share what we've heard this morning with others who may need to hear it. And Lord, help us to stand our ground once we know we're based on God's word. But help us as individuals to do so, and to do so without fear. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.